Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, and we've got a kind of free agency recap, uh, breaking down a lot of the Deshaun Watson, uh, Matt Ryan talks, um, a lot of the signings that the Falcons have had through the first week of free agency, kind of what they haven't done. Um, So I will be joined by Mr. Falcoholic himself, uh, Dave Choate. Will uh, will be joining me for the majority of this podcast to break down a lot of what Atlanta has done so far in free agency, what they haven't done, the players they've gained, the players they've lost, um, and of course all of the Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan stuff um, that we covered extensively over on the Falcoholic uh, and on Twitter and everywhere. I mean, it was unavoidable. But Falcons do not end up with Deshaun Watson. It remains to be seen where they stand with Matt Ryan. Um, so a lot to be figured out. We will get to all of that. Um, but first, let's hear from today's sponsor. It's that time of the year as college basketball takes center stage with the NCAA tournament finally upon us. Who you got this year, guys? Filled out your brackets yet? If you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info. They also have great games, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite casino games. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, before we get to Dave and that conversation, I just wanted to kind of share my thoughts on the way that everything broke down this past week um, because I'm a little bit concerned, honestly, and I'm not somebody who, you know, usually panics, and I, I, I don't think I'm anywhere close to panicking per se. Um, but, but I'm a little bit trepidatious, um, based on the way that the Falcons kind of sold us on where they were heading, um, or at least their plan going into free agency. And a lot of that was they were going to a kind of focus on some of their in-house guys. Uh, you know, they had a lot of free agents, I think 28 of their players from their 2021 roster were going to be free agents and they wanted to keep some of those guys around because obviously there was familiarity between the coaching staff, those players, but also the culture they're trying to build, what they're trying to accomplish, X, Y, and Z, etc. So a lot of teams do like to focus on keeping their guys around. There's a reason they're there in the first place. Um, and then they were going to try to be smart. They were trying to be patient and get a lot of these uh, really high value signings. Um, guys like a Cordero Patterson, who they did happen to re-sign. Congratulations to uh, CP. But those are always going to happen kind of later on in free agency. So I wasn't very surprised when I didn't see the Falcons be super duper involved um, kind of in that legal tampering period that happens 48 hours before the new league year begins. Um, but once they started to lose their guys, once Foyer signed with Jacksonville and it had been previously reported that Atlanta was, you know, really kind of focused on keeping him, that they were doing what it took to reach a, a, a deal on an extension um, and a new contract with Foyer to keep him there. He's somebody who m- deserves it. Absolutely. I There are a few players that I have spoken to personally that I think more highly of than Foyer Lewican. 
great kid. I have enjoyed every single conversation. Very humble, really focused, really smart. Um, so I am extremely happy for him. Uh, he got a great, great contract. Go play in Jacksonville. They freaking shipped Miles Jack out of there uh, because they wanted Foyer instead. But the Falcons, obviously, on the wrong side of that. And then I saw some reporting come out a little bit later. Jacksonville maybe spiked the market a little bit more than some other teams felt uh, that they were going to or that they should. And maybe Atlanta paid a price for that. Um, you know, Jacksonville were big spenders. If they had their eye on foyer, we know Atlanta doesn't really have the finances to keep up with a team like that. So it could have been a situation where there really wasn't much Atlanta was going to be able to do on that one. But one of their key, I think guys got away. Russell Gage stays in the division to go play for the supercharged Tampa Bay Buccaneers who also now have Tom Brady back. Ever heard of him? I think they didn't anticipate necessarily on that happening. So kind of their two biggest, I think you could say free agents, Cordero Patterson is obviously up there as well, but in terms of age, future, like the years, I think, I think Russ and, and Foyer, you could make an argument were kind of maybe two core pieces for the future of this team over the next five year block. And they lost both of those able to bring back young way I felt like that was probably a given. I mean, if, if he had gone away, that would have been a real cell phone. Um, not as big as the one that they ended up doing anyway. But that is where I thought, okay, now that things really have not gone their way to start free agency, because I didn't expect them to be big spenders, but I did expect them to keep the guys that they had targeted in-house for them to keep. And when those guys got away, and then they got into the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, I got concerned because, yes, if you look at it logically, and that's what I always try to do is think, all right, why would a team do this? If I was in their shoes, how could I justify this to myself? Or how could I justify this to anybody? And I think that you could make the argument that if Atlanta was not going to be able to get not substantially better, but incrementally better from 21 to 2022 that, and and by losing guys like Foy, by losing guys like Russ and not really having the money to replace them and then still bring in your free agency all, I think at that point, the Falcons felt that they were going to be a little bit worse this year. And so at that point, do you just kind of altogether abandon 2022? and push your chips to the next year and to the foreseeable future. What we've heard from Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot since they took over is they're trying to kind of walk that, that tightrope of rebuilding while also competing. Um, And you know, the, the, if you're going to just commit to a rebuild, you get better assets from draft picks. You're usually worse. You're clearing up a lot of money to then be very specific and have the pocketbook to go get the players that you want. All of that stuff. If you are competing, you know, you're investing money in the players in your roster. You've got less flexibility. You're usually drafting a little bit later. All that stuff. So it's it's usually like a one or the other type of thing in the NFL. You usually don't see a lot of teams try to do it both. The Falcons seemed like they were set up to do just that until they didn't get, I think, the start to free agency they wanted. And then I think the decision was made, all right, well, if we're not going to win right soon, you know, 2022, then what good is Matt Ryan on this team? He raises the floor very highly for the short term. If there's no other furniture to put on that floor, then what good is the short term? Let's see if we can solve a future problem and a near future problem at that at the quarterback position with with a solution that doesn't necessarily help us this year. But now in 2023, we not only have a an answer and a damn good answer at the quarterback spot. We've got a lot of money because we're not necessarily using any more of our finances um, locked up in that position. It was going to come off the books anyway, but Deshaun's contract at the time before, you know, it came, <laughs> came out that it was now going to be renegotiated and new contracts and all that stuff with all these teams that were bidding that got a little bit weird, but Financially, they were going to be able to still really juice their roster in 2023 and have a controlled, young, elite quarterback 
for the future. I could see that argument from a football side. But that then also means that like there wasn't necessarily a, a true plan in place. And you don't just go from, all right, we're going to try to be very strategic, smart, use our limited resources um, in, in a very wise way to get the best value we can to address some key needs. And then we're going to continue to just add as much talent with the best players through the draft. Get a good quarterback. We believe in our coaches, their ability to develop. There's some young players who I think are a little bit underrated by the fan base who I think could still develop into good players. And who knows, maybe this team gets a couple of breaks next year, is uh, a substantially better and, and maybe sneaks in as your, your wild card team, that seventh team or whatever. That's progress. It's not great, but it's progress. And it's the type of progress that actually I think is more substantial than just kind of overnight turnarounds because that shows real growth. That shows that they worked for something and that they went from seven and 10 to nine and eight. And that's hard to do in the NFL, but damn it, they did it. That's kind of what I thought we were going for here. And a lot of their free agency signings, I really like. They're really kind of the signings I anticipated. But the Deshaun Watson move, because your issue is not at quarterback. Not yet. Not right now. When we're talking about quarterback, it's all kind of a succession plan. But the reason people are saying draft a quarterback is because I think everybody assumes that they want at least a year to learn under Matt Ryan. That's the, be- that's the benefit right now of drafting a quarterback is not for the immediate term, but for the future. And yes, Deshaun Watson would help with the future. But it just seems so weird to, instead of focusing your sights on the other 21 positions on, on your team, that you were focused on, on the quarterback and dealing a lot of future assets, dealing a lot of um, you know, capital that you have when you don't have a lot of liquid capital, just kind of seemed, seemed weird. You know, I, I don't think that they would have included somebody like AJ Terrell in that deal, but really, you know, you, you can't just win with a quarterback. I think if, if the Atlanta Falcons should know anything, it's that it really does take a team. And yes, they're, we're in an age of renewed elite young quarterbacks, but guys, Matthew Stafford still won the Super Bowl this past year against Joe Burrow. And he did it with a better team around him than he's ever had. Matthew Stafford didn't change. The quarterback, the, the quarterback's the same. The team around him changed and it got better. He got a much better defense to work with. He got players around him. So the notion and the, the weird criticism that Matt Ryan always had that like, yeah, he needed a good team around him to win. Who the hell does not in this league? I mean, it's still a team game and quarterback matters, but it just seemed really weird that the Falcons were kind of got real googly eyes for uh, and I get it, a young elite quarterback at this position, but given the baggage that he came with and and baggage is frankly a far, far lighter word than should be used. I mean, all of the civil allegations, uh, that's frankly horrible. And I was not excited at all about this franchise kind of opening that up and, and welcoming that in. So I'm very glad that they did not do that. But even still, just kind of the message that it sent, I'm worried. I don't feel very good that they now have a plan or one that they're 100% sold in. And so I, I'm going to kind of need to be sold a little bit on their plan. Um, and they're going to need to prove that they can still identify and nail these players. Love Casey Hayward as a signing, like Isaiah Oliver coming back. I agree with a lot of the moves they made. But as a, as a whole, I, I don't know if the long-term vision is there. Um, based on, on kind of the pivot that they made seemingly out of the blue. So that's that. Um, sorry, had to get that off my chest. Let's go to a much better conversation um, that I had with Dave. And yeah, we're going to keep talking about Sean's stuff, but we will also get to their other free agency moves. So stick around. Dave Choate, Mr. Falcolic himself, now joins me um, to break down and recap uh, Atlanta's hectic week of free agency to, to kick things off. But Dave, before you and I recorded, we were talking a little bit about, uh, yeah, I, like to, I like to have notes a lot for this show. Um, don't have notes for this one, so we're kind of flying blind. We're ad-libbing a little bit, but it got me thinking. There are a few things, I think, in life that I'm just more comfortable 
uh, you know, talking about. Just turn a camera on, turn a microphone on, sit down, no prep. You got to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I, I don't really think there's maybe any topic that I'd be more comfortable just talking about. What about you? I'm curious in your life, what are some topics that you could just sit down in this chair, we're turning on a microphone, and for the next 30 minutes, you got to just talk. What would be some topics that would um, really be intriguing to you maybe to, to do that? That wouldn't scare you, I guess. Yeah, this is, this is a good question. I wasn't expecting this, so here we go. Um, well, the Falcons would be one because I basically talk about the Falcons for 30 minutes uninterrupted every day in some context <laughs> or another. So, yeah. um, but my other big thing would actually be like space. I love space. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Like I could sit there and talk about space and um, physics and all that stuff, even though I don't understand it that well, I could definitely talk about it and reveal my ignorance for 30 minutes. I would feel <laughs> great about that. I didn't know that about you, Dave. That That's uh, nice. I, I'm, I love space as well. You know, just uh I took um, astronomy as kind of a bullshit class in college, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, anytime on like the Twitter, Twitter feed timeline, whatever, any of the trending kind of NASA stuff, like when they had uh, those recent images of, I guess, Venus that showed us kind of the surface to a greater degree than we'd ever seen before. I found that very fascinating. So that's awesome. That's a great answer. Space, yeah, and I, you know? I missed I missed Venus, so there you go. Now I got something to look for <laughs> after this. That's great. There you go. We got we got more stuff to uh, talk about outside of um, possibly poor decisions being made by uh, this Atlanta Falcons organization. So let's just start right there. Uh, the Deshaun Watson saga uh, came out of nowhere, ended in kind of just as much a confusing fashion as it began. Um, but the Falcons do not have Deshaun Watson after seemingly rolling out every kind of red carpet in Atlanta, um, getting, you know, essentially full buy-in from ownership, from every level of the organization. It seemed like they were ready to uh, take the franchise in a completely different direction. Now, we'll, we'll get into maybe some of the reasons why they felt like that was the right path forward, but it certainly seemed like the reaction from a lot of fans uh and of course it was divided as all of these things are now than any phase of our life but for the most part it seemed like a lot of people were pretty united in their notion of this is maybe not the right thing to be doing especially considering it seemed like the week before that they were content with moving forward with matt ryan now that we've had a couple of days to kind of sit with the dust settling uh have your thoughts changed at all on how all of this went down or is it still kind of as weird and befuddling to you as it was three days ago? You know, I, I think it depends on how, how cynical I'm being, right? Because like <laughs> the most cynical read on this is everything the Falcons have said for years uh, that are important to them, that's important to Arthur Blank, is not. And so it was never mm -hmm. really going to be a challenge for them when one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL became available to go try to get him, regardless of, you know, what was going on with him, they were, they were going to do it. So at, at that level, like my thoughts haven't changed. It's, it was a move that the Falcons would have spun retroactively in any which way they wanted to. Um, but it was all about getting that, that great quarterback, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit less cynically. It was surprising to me because, you know, the Falcons appeared to have sort of a set plan for this offseason. It was a slow rolling plan. They had declined to draft Justin Fields a year ago, which I think some of us thought was maybe not the move to make. But, you know, clearly they were going to keep Matt Ryan for a couple of years. They were going to get their next guy 2022, 2023 and, and wind it down. So to blow all that up in the in the span of a week. Um, to go after Watson when they couldn't have known, you know, like you look at the Browns, you look at the Panthers, even the Saints, they've been spending months. And mm -hmm. we, we learned from ESPN today, none of them have talked to Watson's accusers, which is not surprising, but they spent months researching this, um, supposedly, and the Falcons would have done it in a week. So like you, you couldn't have possibly said, we did our due diligence. We know this entire situation. We know the ramifications of what we're doing, you know, so it really... It was surprising to me that they would kind of throw all of their careful planning out the window to go after Watson, knowing you know very well that Watson's situation is not over yet. There's potentially a suspension coming, um, that they were going to get considerable blowback from parts of their fan base. And so I, I think 
to me, it was, it was kind of a shocker. And I think it's a testament really to, probably testament's not the right word, but like how badly Arthur Blank wants to get this thing back on Mm -hmm. track winning wise that, you know, I I can't say for sure that he was the one that drove this forward. Um, It could very well have been brought to him by the front office and he could have embraced it from there. But like, this is not the kind of move that you would think based on the way this roster, uh, excuse me, this franchise has done things over the last five, 10, 15 years that they would have gone after it. So it, it was a big surprise to me on that front. But I think, again, kind of cynically, if all that matters to you is winning, there was sort of no question that they were going to try. It does, I think, highlight um, at least maybe an increased sense of urgency on the part of, you know, certainly probably Arthur Blank. I mean, he's very competitive. It's It's been his stated mission um, for a long time. And you some could say he's accomplished that with Atlanta United to, to bring a championship to Atlanta. Um, but there's no question that the Falcons are still his his first child. You know, it's it's still the the team that I think he wants to have reached the mountaintop and and have um having come so close to accomplishing that i mean and then to backslide and really kind of go from okay yeah we we feel like we're competing here now you know they wanted to be where the the chiefs are or the packers or the 40 you know like we're competing for the next decade and it was a real blip on the radar now that that kind of 2016 season 2017 was was great it was resilient but but it wasn't kind of that same thing and then and then 2018 i always personally felt had the best chance to be their peak kind of dan quinn thomas dimitrov core season and then injuries just totally um depleted them on on the defensive side of the ball so i get the notion of of wanting to win sooner rather than later but i think we're all pretty much in agreement that uh, the quarterback position is not among their top needs. Sure, we're all sitting here talking about quarterback for the Falcons because of the long term and because that is a part of the puzzle. But Terry Fontenot himself has said he believes in addressing needs through free agency. So then, you know, why are you kind of throwing all of your time, resources, energy into replacing your quarterback? The argument is that you get a 26 year old franchise quarterback for the next decade um but it it just kind of seemed like there wasn't a plan and that's what has me concerned is that they kind of told us one thing in the during the combine in that you know we're going to be smart we're going to look at every situation individually but we're going to try to kind of walk that tightrope again and get these undervalued assets in free agency that can come in and, and outperform maybe their contract and then they turned right around and just went after Deshaun Watson and, you know, were willing to seemingly throw a lot of future capital at, at the quarterback position. Have you been able to make sense of of what their plan is so far in free agency? I, you know, and so here's the thing, too, is um, their plan, who they've signed so far in free agency, to me, is who they were always going to sign. Like maybe Casey yeah. Hayward because of the agent connection with Sean Watson, like that made that a little bit easier, but it was, that's a great yeah, well, we'll get to, to the, cause I like a lot of their free agent signings. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And like, but to me, like the, who they've signed so far, which again, we'll get to is sort of what they would have done anyways. They're the, the budget yep. guys, the value signings, the kind of guys that Fontenot wanted to stock the roster with. And I think what was going to change for them if they had gotten Watson is that they were going to try to sign a bunch of players who wanted to play with Watson with some of the additional cap Mm -hmm. space they were going to carve out. And so I I think you had them sort of laying the bedrock of this roster. And then from there, whether or not they got the deal done, it was going to determine, you know, who was going to get in, in the building for wide receiver. It was like a a rising tide lifts all boats kind of deal. Yeah, I very much think so. And I, I think, you know, their their plan with Watson was, I, I still think 2022 would have been like a, a bit of a mess, like yeah. no matter what. But you know, if, yeah, if you had gotten Watson, though, I think what would have happened is they would have tried to move the timetable up and say, we are arriving in 2023. We are going to be one of the NFC's elite teams, whereas... Yep sort of what they've been building toward is, hey, you know, hopefully we'll still be competitive in 2022. And, and yeah, we'll be good in 2023. I don't think there was like that big boot stomp that said, we're going to be a great team next year. 
um, based on you know what they could do in free agency this year, based on some of the limitations heading into next year. So I, I think that's sort of the big difference. And I think everything that we've seen to this point is really just the kind of roster building work that Terry Fontenot enjoys doing, which is getting those <laughs> those value guys. Like I, I really do think that. So I, I think that was sort of the plan and it blew up in their faces, but I think nobody they signed is like an, oops, we shouldn't have signed that guy now that we don't have Watson type of thing. So, yeah, it, I mean, I, I guess it, it was a little bit of a home run swing in that, you know, maybe this was a, a, a side, a detour route that just kind of, we discovered where, yeah, I mean, if, if you can land one of the premier young quarterbacks in this league, I mean, if NFL is not nearly kind of in, free agency terms like as as close to people just wanting to go to play with other people uh, as much as like the NBA is say so I, I don't think it would have necessarily been to that degree where all right now we've got Deshaun so like it's going to just be a who's who of players under 28 wanting to come and, and play in Atlanta but you probably would have have gotten some of these younger guys who who do want and recognize the um talent at that position that that Deshaun does possess and so, yeah, you could understand maybe why they felt like, hey, if if we play this just right, maybe it does kind of speed up the timetable a little bit. It certainly seems like based on reports, they were trying to sell Deshaun on kind of a 2023 plan. But, you know, I like it. It just seemed like such a stark left turn um, from from everything that we had been hearing at just a few days before that. Supposedly, you know, Matt and the organization had agreed upon um, kind of a restructuring and, and a pseudo extension with void years there. But yeah, so it, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but it ultimately, that's where it led is, is nowhere. So let's pivot and kind of end our quarterback talk for this, this uh, discussion with the Matt Ryan side of things, because, you know, I, I think the world of Matt Ryan, and I think, you know, he has done everything this organization has asked of him, he has done it pretty much with a smile um, and he's as competitive as they come. He works, you know, he handles his business, um, but he also does all the little stuff. It's got to be really, really tough to kind of see that type of commitment and um, devotion rewarded in this type of way. And, you know, it seems like there, it's still really unclear as to how much Matt was aware of this and when during the, uh, the timeline and how everything took place. What do you what do you make of of the Matt Ryan piece of all of this? I mean, do you do you think that this is salvageable in any way, shape or form? Do you think that, you know, that it behooves Matt to just kind of get out of here, go somewhere else? Um, what what do you think of this? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, the way that I would ask people to think about this, too, that I, I think gets lost is like, yes, the NFL is a business. Yes, things change mm -hmm. very quickly. Anybody in any walk of life, even the NFL, you spend 14 years, you know, well over a decade with one organization. Um, and every indication is that, at least for the short term, that that organization is committed to you. And then you find out that they are trying to replace you in a very, very short order. And then that falls through. Um, you're, you know, I don't know about you. I'm probably not going to stay there because I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> how quickly are they going to try to replace me again? first of all. And second of yep. all, like, do they value me the way they once did? Did they value me that much at all? Like, was this all talk? Right. Like, it's human nature. Like, we're not robots. Matt Ryan's not a robot. You know, I, I think that certainly everybody in that organization is well aware that they've affected their relationship with Matt Ryan. Like, this isn't, none of this is happening in a vacuum. So, You're right. the way I look at it is, with Ryan, probably it's in his best interest to get out of town. I, I really think that I think, you know, the Falcons kind of clued him into the idea that, you know, in 2022, 2023, they were hoping to win with somebody else. They didn't necessarily think that they could get the job done with Matt Ryan at the helm. And to me, that's a hard thing to walk back um, yeah. and say, you know, we we definitely can win with you because, you know, to some degree, at least, especially if they do a really good job this offseason. Yeah, you'll win some games. You might even be a borderline playoff team this year. But I think that this was probably a bit of a wake up call to Ryan that, you know, he knew probably that he was going to be replaced at some point in the next couple of years by a quarterback they drafted. But the suddenness of this 
is is kind of jarring. And I think for for Ryan, like if he really wants to win and he wants to feel appreciated, it might be time to try to force his way to go somewhere else. Because I don't think, based on you know public comments, everything we know about this front office, that they're going to go ahead and it, you know if that rumor is even true that he wants an extension, you know, for three years. Like I don't think there's any way this front office is going to give it to him mm, at this yeah. point because that would be admitting that the whole carefully laid plan was not really much of a plan at all, right? So, um, and it pains me to say that because again, like I, Matt Ryan's the best quarterback in, in franchise history. He's a pro um, and he's done great work here for a long time. But I think we knew in a year or two that that he was probably going to be on his way out. And if I were him, if I were in his shoes, I would probably look to, to head elsewhere. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, you know, you, you, you use the, the word force his way out. And I think that that may have been true two weeks ago, <laughs> but I almost feel like the organization has given him the uh, pub- public senti- uh, sentiment card. You know, like he nobody is going to blame Matt Ryan after what has happened if he sits here and says, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not playing. You know, like um, I, I know it kind of became a little bit of a meme that like Baker freaked out about um, the Browns pursuing Deshaun Watson. But I, like, I think we would almost treat Matt Ryan a little bit differently because a, he's a former MVP of this league and has proven himself time and time again. But you know, it, like if, if he wanted to just go play in Indianapolis or Seattle or San Francisco and reunite with Kyle Shanahan, like I would not blame him in, in a lot of ways he should do that. It would probably help his hall of fame case. It would probably help his, ability to win for the remainder of his career. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why Matt shouldn't. The thing that would kill me if I was him and in thinking about it in this way is it almost seemed like the Falcons were 100% okay with almost using Matt's um, previous successes and accomplishments as a way of like validating that they weren't going to do a full rebuild and that they weren't just tearing everything down, but that they were kind of okay with him languishing a little bit with a, with an average to mediocre team and going through a couple of seasons of seven and nine or eight, and nine, I guess now that we're at a 17 game schedule, but then, okay, as soon as we're ready to, to hit the gas and go win some games, we're going to upgrade at this position and you're just going to have been on losing teams for the last few years for no reason really at all, because there is no turnaround for you, Matt Ryan. There is for this team and this organization, but not you specifically. And that is what would sit not right with me. It is kind of like, all right, yeah, I've been giving you everything and we're not winning. And now you're ready to kind of, and it seemed like from reports, they were going to try to do right by Matt and trade him to maybe a place that he wanted to go. But yeah, just the the way that this kind of came about so suddenly did not sit sit right with me. Yeah, and I think to you know, you want to be appreciated and again, I know that Matt Ryan understands this is a business and I know that Matt Ryan seemingly had signed up for the scenario you described, which is But you it's know, a relationship pre- business yeah, as much yeah. as it is, uh, you know, any other type of business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and and so yeah, I, I like. I mean, I think it sucks. Like, it's going to be really hard to to repair. And it would be one thing if this was Thomas Dimitrov who had drafted Matt Ryan, but it's not. It's Terry Fontenot, and you know that that's going to be a whole. There's not this long, lengthy history between these two people that they can fall back on. It's it's going to be yeah. And I think Matt's as magnanimous as as anybody, but I I don't know. I I mean, I really, it, Dave. I guess if I if I had to put you on the spot. Gut gut reaction is Matt Ryan the quarterback in 2022 for this team? I'm going to say no today. Um, I'm going to say that he is going to get traded somewhere, and obviously we'll we'll know if this is foolish potentially by the time this is posted um, because it could happen at yeah. any point, you know. Um, but I, I look at it, it and say. Yeah, I I don't think so. I think the the damage has been done. I think Ryan's had some time to think about life after the Falcons and where he might want to go. I think that the Falcons have kind of played their hand and have to live with it, and I think he'll probably end up being traded. Yeah, unfortunately, I agree. But that that was a great point by you. We should timestamp this uh, this little beauty of a conversation. 7.30 on Sunday night. So uh, if anything happens 
after that, um, we are not held responsible. But let's talk about some people who are actually going to be on this team um, in 2022 and some free agent signings. If you need a recap or a reminder of who the Falcons have signed or lost in free agency, please head over to the Falcoholic. Uh, Dave has written a great free agency tracker um, that he is updating regularly with all of the latest moves. Um, but Dave, I'll let you start us off on this conversation. Who do you want to start talking about first as, as far as free agency acquisitions are concerned? I think I'd start with Casey Hayward um, because this is, um, and it flew under the radar because of everything else going on, but Casey Hayward is the biggest free agent signing, I believe, in dollars um, of the, the Terry Fontenot era thus far. And so I also think it's a great signing. Um, yeah. Alan, Alan Sturk had asked me um, in a roundtable that'll be posted on the Falcoholic, um, maybe again, by the time you listen to this, sort of, did I think that Casey Hayward was a good signing or, or should the team have drafted a young corner? I think they can still draft a young corner. I would still support it. It's not going to bother me if they go really early and get an elite player, but you know, you have AJ Terrell and giving yourself like a really high end cover corner opposite him, somebody who is, has an excellent track record of success. And it seems to be aging really gracefully. Um, and then bringing back Isaiah Oliver as well. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good group of corners. That's probably the best group of cornerbacks that I can think of that they've had in several years. Yeah. And for a team with, you know, probably even if they do a stellar job this offseason they're not going to have a great pass rush like that is absolutely critical so to me that hayward signing um you know as, as fun as some of the other signings are or as good as some of them have been thus far like that is the big one that's the best signing of free agency thus far it's likely to be probably in my mind the most impactful one that we get and so i i was very very happy with casey hayward and that's exactly the kind of move that you know the falcons should be thinking about if they're trying to improve this roster for 2022 is like what weaknesses can we reasonably shore up with a really good player we don't have to break the bank on yeah i i completely agree i mean when i saw that when i saw that um trade basically announced on on twitter uh or signing rather i i was ecstatic i mean this is a really really good exactly the type of signing that you get excited about when terry fontenot says you know we're gonna look for kind of these market inefficiencies and guys who we think are better than than their price tag and you know they they got casey award for you know well within their budget to come in and be kind of their number two corner i mean he was pff's number uh, 20th overall cornerback last year. I mean, that that's really, really good um, at his age 32 season. And he can still play the outside corner position. So they bring back Isaiah Oliver to, to handle that slot. So it kind of seems like they've got their secondary pretty much figured out. Um, and sure, like you said, maybe that that means that they could also draft a young corner. But they did draft a couple of of young corners last year that they can groom. I mean, I think Darren Hall played pretty well um, in the moments that he had to kind of step in there. So if anything, maybe they view Casey Hayward in kind of the same way that Deron Harmon and Eric Harris were last year as kind of a bridge player to help some of these younger players um, develop. And in the meantime, you know, he provides some great play of his own out there on the field. I mean, that's that's not a bad thing. It doesn't necessarily preclude, preclude them from going to get a corner in this draft. But I think it makes it less likely that we see somebody like, um, you know, Gardner Stingley be the pick at number eight. Um, you know, a, a position they have not yet really touched in free agency is the pass rush. Um, you know, Dave, do you think that's because of the price tag of, you know, just free agent pass rushers? Or do you think that kind of makes it a little bit more obvious where the Falcons are, are kind of looking with the number eight pick in the draft? Yeah, I think they're waiting for the market to settle a little bit there. I think, you know, I do take Fontenot at his word um, in, in one thing at least, and actually multiple things, but one of them <laughs> is that they don't want to go in the draft and say, if we don't draft this position, we're screwed. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there's no way in my mind that you don't go, even if it, if it ends up being, you know, sort of a, a Jordan Willis, let's say, signing to grab a guy that I've been looking at um, you know, or even even Stephen Means, just giving you some options there um, in case you don't get a high end guy in the draft. Um, not necessarily exciting ones, but they're going to pick up somebody. I think they are sort of waiting to see like the big 
big offers roll in and see who else they can get. The interesting thing about that for me, and, and one of the things that made me wonder if you know the trade talks um, sort of did take them them off track a little bit, was you you saw a guy like Jacob Martin sign a very reasonable deal um, early on in free agency, and I looked at that deal and thought, you know, that's probably about what the Falcons are going to be looking for if they're going to be spending on anybody. And the fact that Martin went so quickly in free agency, you know, for a deal like that tells me that you might be able to get those mid to low tier guys for a fairly reasonable contract. And in that sense, it feels like there is a little bit of a holdup here that I'm not quite sure about. But I I do Mm -hmm. think, you know, week goes by, two weeks go by, and, and there's a handful of decent guys left on the market. They'll be scooping them up. There's just, there's just no way that they can go into the season with this, this edge group that they have today. Yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely. There's no way that they can go, go in with what they've got today. Um, but it, it's, yeah, there, there are some of these, it's almost not necessarily the top tier pass rushers, but maybe that second, second B third a tier that it looks like there are some guys who who have not yet been signed and that might be the area where the price tag comes down a little bit um just some of these guys who thought they were good enough maybe to get that marquee kind of contract who aren't and they're out there on the on the market for a little bit and that's the type of guy that it it seems like terry fontenot was really interested in finding somebody who for one reason or another the market's a little bit lower on them than than was believed to be the case so yeah, maybe maybe pass rusher is um, a position we see them this week, next week. Who knows? Um, but let's kind of talk about three players with whom Falcons fans should be very familiar, and that would be Foye Luick and Russell Gage and Cordero Patterson. All three were free agents uh, when this offseason began. The Falcons only able to bring one of those guys back. Cordero Patterson will return, much to his um, pleasure. And Russell Gage and Foye Luikin are both gone. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of, I guess, the, we'll do the two departures first. How impactful do you anticipate that being for this team? Um, and then we can touch on uh, Cordero's return and, and what that will mean. Yeah, I guess I'd start with Gage. I think the the chief thing with Gage is he was the last receiver that, you know, which is crazy to think about, but he was, let's assume Matt Ryan's still here. Let's assume anybody's here. He was the last guy that had significant experience in this offense and was kind of a trusted target for Ryan. Yeah. Um, you know, because again, we've lost Julio and Ridley for one reason or another. And so to lose Gage and have really nothing, not only in-house to replace him, but certainly they haven't signed anybody yet outside the organization. You know, I I don't think Russell Gage is an irreplaceable player, obviously, but I think he is a good receiver. I think he came on um, a lot in the second half of the year and he's a reliable, you know, short to intermediate option. And the Falcons just don't have much. So like it concerns me in that sense that they lost Gage. And especially if, you know, they really slowly roll through free agency here. They may not be picking up guys um, who can easily replace him. And, and, you know, again, that might be a little bit controversial because I know that plenty of people thought that Gage was kind of a replaceable player. But um, <laughs> again, when you don't have good options, readily well, sign. I think, I think it's, that's an issue. I think it's telling that Tom Brady wanted him to come play in Tampa. Oh, yeah. No, and I think that is the thing. Like, those first eight games were tough on everybody, but, you know, the the thing with Gage is he's had to get it done as the number one or number two receiver in this offense uh, repeatedly the last couple of years. And sure, maybe he didn't always look great doing that, but that's not a role that you would ask him to play, ideally, in your offense. And, you know, going to someplace like Tampa Bay, where he'll probably be the number three guy, he'll probably eat there. Um, And the Falcons... (laughs) had they been able to rebuild their receiving core with him, um, you know, would have really benefited, I think, from him moving down the depth chart a little bit, having a little bit less on his shoulders um, because mm-hmm. he's good enough to carry that kind of role. So it, it is like, I do think it's telling, like you said, and I do think that that ends up being kind of an impactful loss, you know, if for no other reason than the Falcons just don't appear to have a lot of great options to replace him. Yeah, and I, I mean, this this really might be, Maybe 2015, you you could argue, but certainly Julio was still there. Roddy was still there. But I can't remember a time when Matt Ryan had to just completely overhaul his kind of receiving options in one offseason, the way that, that this has taken place. Um, again, that 2015, when Kyle came in, he he brought in a, a bunch of 
receivers with whom he was familiar, but Matt still had his his kind of comfort blankets there. Uh, but Bafoye, somebody who really, I think, like Russ, uh, ever since those two guys have been drafted, you know, just taken on more role, taken on more opportunity, whether through injury to another player or just their own success and growth. I mean, they have carved out substantial roles with this team over the last couple of years. Foye maybe more so because he kind of almost became like the de facto middle linebacker number one option for this defense. Like, A, I, I, you know, I think we were all a little bit surprised at how much money he's getting in, in Jacksonville. But what do you think the loss of him, is there a chance we're maybe overblowing his impact or you know, it, do, do you think he was his talents specifically fit this defense so well that leading the NFL in tackles was uh, a replicable kind of like feat that he could do year in and year out? Yeah, I, I look at it as, you know, this is not the biggest loss. I think I, I like Foyer a lot. I, I think he was a good player. I think he was a rising player. I think there's a pretty good chance that he ends up excelling in Jacksonville. So on that hand, like you may have lost him before you even got the best out of him, which is mm-hmm. always a bummer. Um, but I, I think the big thing for Luakon was really that he was providing turnovers, um, you know, yeah. consistently generating them or helping to generate them for a defense that they were wholly reliant on that for a variety of reasons. And so that's where I see them missing him is that he, he did have a little bit of a knack for um, getting that timely turnover. And, and maybe some of that's luck, which would be encouraging since they've lost him. <laughs> um, but I do feel like, you know, this between this draft class being, um, you know, pretty deep, I think uh, at inside linebacker and having Michael yeah. Walker on the roster, who is a player that that I like quite a bit and think just needs an opportunity. I, I think it's not the most impactful loss. Like you, you can certainly argue that, you know, I, and I know it's all fake money at the end of the day, but going up to 15 million per year was something the Falcons simply could not do for him. Knowing that, you know, you have Deion Jones, at least for now, you have Michael Walker, you have this draft class that you can probably dip into and find a player who's going to be good in a year or two. Um, you know, I think the biggest question again is like if the Falcons can't really ramp this defense up and get some more talent across the board, are you going to miss that big play potential that he had? And that that's where I think, yes, possibly that will be a bad thing. Yeah, uh, it's a great I mean, it's a great point because he <laughs> I still think back to the um, to the game. Well, it was New Orleans, right? A couple of years ago when he recovered three onside kicks just like in a row. That was like, insane. Yeah. It was nothing. And I, I remember watching him because, you know, the best part about being up in the press, you see everything, right, that you don't see on TV. And he, it was him and Alvin Kamara. It was like Alvin Kamara every single time was the guy seven yards back who's supposed to come up and the front line blocks and clears the way and he just falls on the ball. The front line never blocked Foyer and they were just playing chicken. And every single time Kamara just kind of like, got out of the way and foyer it was the most bizarre thing i'd ever seen but yeah his ability to just force fumbles like in the dallas game a couple of years ago where it, you know it unfortunately that played out the way it played out but but he is that type of weird game-changing player who doesn't seem you don't think about him in those terms but yeah he could just change a game in one afternoon with the right type of of mentality or performance or, or what have you and i do think that that's really smart. The Falcons are probably going to miss that because they may have benefited almost like unknowingly, not to them, but maybe to the fan base. You know, some of the wins that they eked out that were maybe crediting to Matt Ryan or Young Way Koo or, you know, who, whoever. Yeah, Foye may be as important in those wins as anybody. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to miss him a lot because he was just a really fun player to kind of root for, uh, you know, Yale six round pick, but what's not to love. But Cordero Patterson is coming back. We can continue to root for him. Um, what do you think about the the number? It's it's five and a half, you know, per year, two years, uh, eleven mil. Um, I think that that's a pretty fair value. I think for both sides. 
I definitely think it is. I think, you know, he had to get a raise after last year. <laughs> like it's that season. I, I know he slowed down a little bit at the end of the year, whatever. Like that was one of the craziest seasons I've seen. It was, it'll go down in sort of legend as like Corderell Patterson's breakout season. And he, <laughs> he had to get more money for that. Like, and the fact yeah. that he's coming back and, you know, he's made like what, 3 million last year, I think. Um, and he's coming yeah. back, yeah. you know, for, for an average of two years, 5 million, like, it makes you believe him when he say said, you know, the money wasn't important. Atlanta is where I wanted to be because, you know, that's really excellent value for him. And I, I recognize again, like you don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of years with that larger workload. It's certainly, I don't know if he's going to end up playing more receiver than he did last year, given the team's needs at yeah. this point. But like, regardless of how you look at it, he thrived in this offense. He wanted to be here. Clearly they have a plan for him that works for him and works for the team. And like, it's just, it, it, it was the timing of it suggested it was really intended to be a public relations move. Maybe they sped up the contract a little bit there. Um, <laughs> if not, they certainly were fortunate for the timing, but yep. um, as the signing goes, like it, it was kind of a slam dunk. I think when, when you have as few weapons as the Falcons currently have, you've got to yes. get somebody like Patterson back. Absolutely. I completely agree. It's, it, the timing of it, very suspicious, like you said. Um, you know, it, it it pretty much happening, was it the next day? Uh, is, yeah, you know, that's something. Um, but I, I think that, yes, if, if they don't have Patterson, it's literally just Kyle Pitts kind of right now. So they, they needed to get him back. I think that this was always kind of maybe a contingency plan in their back pocket. Um, hopefully he doesn't have as big of a role as, as he did just in terms of sheer volume, because I think he could be more effective for longer throughout the season. If there's a little bit of a pitch count on kind of his usage. Um, but you know, the, the team will have to figure that out. Uh, before I let you go, Dave, is there any other, yeah, are there any other free agents that you want to discuss, you know, be it Damien Williams or bring somebody like Anthony rush back? You know, I'll, I'll let you have kind of, I guess this last, couple of minutes to to bring up anybody that you feel like I may have overlooked. Okay. This is I love this freedom here. Um I, I will give a shout out to Anthony Rush because I love that guy. I think great success story for this team. You know, they they could mm -hmm. not seem to solve they wanted somebody like him in the middle of that defense up in the line and they, they couldn't seem to figure it out. And then he stepped in about halfway through the year and, and really did a nice job. So I'm excited he's back. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll have a bigger role this year, but I'm confident he'll be a, a really solid player for them. And Lord knows they need that. Um, but the guy I want to sh really talk about is Isaiah Oliver. Um, I'm really, really happy that Oliver is back for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, last year, what we saw from him in a smaller sample size, but was really what I, I thought he could be his entire career, which is just a really quality player, um, very good in coverage, very physical. Um, and he was really thriving finally at last in Dean Pease's defense and to see him get hurt right as things were going really well for yeah. him. That was pretty devastating. So like knowing he's coming back, you know, hopefully in, in the same role with an opportunity to really thrive and have a healthy season and then cash in next year. That's great for the player. That's great for this Falcons defense who need, yep. again, all the help they can get. Um, and they never really could settle that nickel spot after he got hurt. So um, I, I just think that was a really, it was kind of a no-brainer, I guess, signing, but it was a really savvy <laughs> signing for, for both sides. And, and I'm glad that that happened. I think it's... They they talked a lot about at the combine, right? Like they want Cordero Patterson to be the model that they have, and essentially these kind of short term, one year, two year deals, uh, maybe rehabilitate your career a little bit, um, and Atlanta reaps the benefits at supposedly you know better contract value. Um, I look at this signing with Isaiah Oliver in a very similar kind of fashion, and yes, he had been with the Falcons previously, but it, it's very clear and apparent that. Dean Pease and this new coaching staff saw something in Isaiah Oliver that they think very highly of. And I don't want to say that, you know, Dan Quinn and his staff didn't see that in him because I, I think that they did. Obviously, that's why they drafted him in the second round. But it, like hearing what Pease had to say kind of throughout the season, even while Oliver was on IR, makes it very clear that he thinks really highly of him. Um, and so I think that a one-year deal is fair given the injury questions and frankly kind of the the lack of performance that 
Isaiah's had over over his career, but it weirdly seems like they're excited and we are excited and we should be for a player who has not produced very much throughout his first, what, four years now, three years of his career. So it's if it sounds like maybe we are more excited than we should be, I think that there are reasons we are. But I would certainly understand some people listening to this being like, what what do I not get about Isaiah Oliver? Like, I've seen this dude play for three years now. Like, he's he's not lighting the world on fire. Why should I be in love with him? But I, I do think that if you go back and watch the first kind of four games last year, you'll see, especially that, was it Carolina? Where he, yes. you know, just, it was that first Carolina game where he like forced a fumble was playing really, really well, and then he got hurt the next week against Dallas, and it just kind of it was all bad. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I think Isaiah is is a great, a, a great signing. Youngway Koo. I mean, we probably need to <laughs> mention they're bringing him back on like the biggest deal. I think they'll probably hand out this this free agency period, which is saying something. Um, was that like a five year, twenty three million dollar deal for the kicker? That was awesome yeah it is I, I just realized that i said that uh hayward was the the big money signing and i was totally forgetting about who but yeah because <laughs> it's yeah it's easy to forget you know, people don't usually like the biggest contracts not usually the kicker yeah which is interesting and i know you know there's sort of that that value question with that but i think it's certainly in the short term too in those first couple of years when the contract is very reasonable like this is a, a guy who's shown he belongs. This is two years in a row of really excellent kicking play. And and when you have a kicker, you can have guys that are great one year and are just decent the next. And there's a lot of year-to-year yep. variance. So seeing what Koo has done and been able to string together since he got in Atlanta, I think is really encouraging. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's as consistent as they come, has proven to be that. Uh, but so are you, Dave. You know, there's no podcast-to-podcast variance with you. Um, it's right through the uprights every single time. Uh, so I really appreciate your time in in joining me today. Please let let everybody know what you've got cooking uh, on the Falcolic over these uh, coming weeks. Yeah, and you should note that all those kicks are from like 20 yards out, but still, I appreciate that compliment. <laughs> um, you know, and, but yeah, at the site, a um, ton of great stuff like yourself, Will, um, Everett Glaze, Kevin Knight. I know you guys are, are working hard on some draft profiles and the like. I'm oh, really yeah. excited oh, to yeah. see. Yeah. I mean, it's almost draft season, right? We're, we're very close to being there. And you should see the tabs open right now on, on my screen. It's just, it's a nightmare. Of, yeah. of draft tabs. <laughs> is it like a hundred? Can you even see what they are? <clears throat> They're all little, little teeny tiny icons at this point. Okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I know, I know that well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, tons of great draft stuff coming up, but we'll also, you know, we'll have you guys covered through free agency, obviously with whatever happens with the Matt Ryan situation. And, you know, there's a lot of reacting right now, I think to what the Falcons are going to do. Cause there's a lot of unknowns, but we're also super excited about, what this team can hopefully bring back in the draft with the the capital they have. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. The the draft, I'm really looking forward to the draft. I, I think it'll be exciting. You know, anytime you have a top 10 pick. Um, great. I, I weirdly kind of feel like I'm less, I'm more anti-trade back than I usually am. I don't know why. Because I, I guess I just feel like they're great pass rushers in this draft and there's going to be one there at number eight. So like that makes total sense. But there's plenty of time for us to uh, talk about that in the coming months. Um, Dave, I really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to to join me and, and talk about the uh, first week of free agency. Jesus, man, that's the first week of free agency. We've got a lot more to go. <laughs> yeah, I doubt this week is going to be much less exciting, but I do think maybe week three is, is a little bit quieter. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. But thanks, Dave, again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Will. All right, that'll do it for today's podcast. Thank you again to Dave for uh, hopping on and talking a little bit of Falcons free agency with me. Thank you guys very much for listening. Um, It really does mean a lot. Uh, Man, I I wondered if I was going to have to do an emergency podcast this week with all of the quarterback news swirling about trying to figure out who am I going to get on? uh, You know, who, who on earth do I know who I could just hit up in that the drop of a hat and say, Hey, hop on this and talk about, you know, a potential quarterback trade who also already doesn't have their own thing going on. 
it can be stressful. Uh, but frankly, I do it because I, I enjoy it. I like to talk about football. Um, and I hope that you enjoy or get some pleasure out of these conversations. Uh, and if you do, please let people know where they can find us. Please subscribe, rate, review. If you don't, um, that's cool. Keep it, keep it to yourself. Um, and just keep uh, hitting the play button and, and maybe plug in your ears. But anyway, <laughs> today's episode was presented by Bet Online. Thank you guys, as always, for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.